Yo, what up? It's your boy, Cool Shep. This podcast is brought to you by my boy, Joey T and Tyrese Maxi. But right now, you know, we just maxing on the courts, hailing from the streets of South Philly. Sometimes it gets a little hectic out there. But right now, we go up you on how we just chill. What is going on, Sixers fans? Welcome back into another edition of Trust the Podcast. I am your host, Joe Tooman, as always, the Sixers. As we all know, did not have any draft picks during the 2023 NBA draft. But nonetheless, it's definitely a huge topic that you got to talk about in the in the context of the NBA. We did our mock draft with Joe and Andrew uh, a couple weeks back. But now, Chris Reynolds, Darian Capabianco are back on Trust the Podcast to talk some NBA draft. Boys, thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? Glad to be here, man. I'm, I'm excited. Let's get this rolling. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited. We did our mock draft, talked a lot of Reggie Bullock on that one, but uh, now to talk the future of the NBA, and I'm very excited for it. Yeah, not mock draft, but the, the 2013 redraft. Go, oh, redraft, give redraft. Go give that a listen if you haven't already. We talked a lot about Giannis. We talked Reggie Bullock. We talked Michael Carter-Williams and Nerlens Noel. But anyways, so sticking in the present here, the 2023 NBA draft, Honestly, maybe one of my favorite classes from the about 10 years I've been following the NBA. I really think this is a really strong class. We're not going to touch on every single prospect here. We kind of did that during the mock draft. But obviously, first looking at that top three, you got to start with Victor Wembanyama going to uh, going first overall to the Spurs. He, this guy is the most hyped prospect since LeBron. Some would argue, Joe Eckstein was arguing, maybe he could one day be viewed as an even better all-time prospect than LeBron when it's all said and done. That's how much potential this guy has. He's going to San Antonio. We all knew it was coming, but now it's kind of what happens next. He's in San Antonio. He's got Greg Popovich coaching. He's got all these legends as a support system for him as he, as he grows into the NBA. What are you guys expecting from Victor now that he's in the NBA, just going to do his rookie season? What kind of most excites you about him in the early stages of his career? I think the most exciting thing is just, you know, for him as a prospect himself, where else would you want to go than to Greg Popovich? This is a coach who's very experienced. You know, he's been here for such a long time. And if anyone can bring out his true potential, it's going to be him. And I'm just really excited to watch that and watch him grow this season and, you know, watch how they interact, see all these moves that, you know, the Spurs make in the offseason. Free agency opens up in four days. So we'll see what they do. But I'm very, very excited to see Popovich and how he handles Wembenyama. Yeah, I agree with Darian. I think the coaching is going to help him. He's he's not on like a Houston team where you're just going to let him do whatever. They're actually going to coach him up. And he's been getting ready for the NBA for years. Like it's not like he went to college and was focused on that. I mean, he's been getting ready for this moment. Imagine, you know what everyone says Kevin Durant is like, oh my God, he's like seven feet tall. It's crazy. Wembenyama's seven five, just like a taller version of that. Imagine if Kevin Durant was taller. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be the shooter Katie is, but the point is the guy is an absolute freak of nature, just how big he is and the way that he moves in a good way. And I think that's just that, – physically, it is so hard to like a guy who's 7'5 that can move like that. That's just once in a lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about it a lot on the mock, but just to reiterate, as you said, just the offensive game can look like Kevin Durant at times, but then on the other end, defensively with his size, with his athleticism, he can also be a terrific defensive center in the NBA. And it's amazing how Popovich, once again, I mean, he had David Robinson, got to coach him, takes Tim Duncan first overall in 97. And now towards the end of his career, he gets to coach another Hall of Fame center is what people are going to expect from Wembenyama. Speaking of those expectations, just going into his rookie season, 
it's one of those things where you never want to expect too much of a rookie. You want to give these players time to grow. But we've seen players like LeBron, Durant, Luka Doncic in more recent years just be transcendent right from the jump and really elevate their teams. We, we saw even two years ago, the Spurs almost made the play-in game, or they did, they made the play-in tournament, could have made the playoffs with DeJounte Murray as their best player with this current core together. So putting Wembenyama in there at center is going to be an absolute floor raiser for this Spurs team before free agency even begins, as Darian alluded to, both for the team success and individually. Like, what, what, would, what do you think is a fair expectation of him to start his, his career when he has so many ex- expectations of greatness? I want him to be the main focal point of their offense and defense. Um, but I also do want them to sign someone else to compliment him. I, I don't really want them to sign someone to be the guy. I want Wemben Yama to be the guy. And I, mean, I want him to just really, you know, try and show his full potential year one. I want to see it. I don't think they need to make the playoffs. I don't think Wemby has to drop 40 and 20 every night. You know, like that'd be great and all. And you just look at him and it seems like he could do everything. But realistically, I'm just thinking like, get 20 points, 10 rebounds, and then just block some shots. I think he's going to be a better shot blocker than actual defender early on just because of his size, but he is pretty thin for, you know, he's 19, so he's like a pretty lean guy. So I think just as a rookie, block some shots, put up 20 a game, and just play good team basketball, but continue like the I want to see him as the system on offense. There's not a lot of offensive guys that are or centers that, you know, can be the system for their team. And Joel Embiid and Jokic can, but they don't really play like Wemby. So I almost want to see like the NBA version of that where he's on an actual NBA team. I agree. I don't think there needs to be this pressure for the Spurs to, you know, rise into contention or anything, but I don't see a reason why the Spurs can't be at least, you know, 10 or 15 games better than they were a year ago. Maybe 15 shooting a little high, but mid to late, mid to high thirties and wins, especially if they make some big free agent moves with that cap space. They have, uh, I believe, the third most cap space in the league projected going into free agency. So, I don't know. You've heard rumors that they might throw an offer sheet at Austin Reeves. I think the Lakers, I think the Lakers have to match that. But nonetheless, like someone like that, maybe get some sort of perimeter threat who can handle the ball. They need a, a little extra help in the backcourt. Just guys who can help set Wembenyama up to score, but also kind of be secondary, a secondary option outside of him. I agree with Dar- what Darian said. Just, I think they already have some quality players some quality players on the team with Keldon, with Devin Vassell, but one extra shot creator could help. Yeah. And that's the, the big thing that you guys are saying is this isn't a year where they're trying to contend. They're trying to make the playoffs. This isn't that at all. And it may not be that for the next two, maybe even three years, but that's why I do want to see him be the guy because in two years, when you actually need him to be the guy and he's trying to, and you're trying to make the playoffs and contend for championship, he'll have that experience of being the guy all throughout those two years. So that's what, that's what I want to see this year. That's, I think, the most important thing for this team. He needs to be the number one option, and I'm confident he will be. I think the Spurs recognize that. So moving off of Wembenyama, the Hornets had the second pick. It was very split. Do they go Scoot Henderson? Do they go with another guard, this explosive, very athletic point guard in Scoot, or do they take Brandon Miller, add to their wing? It seems like Charlotte drafted for positional need here with Brandon Miller. Now, Brandon Miller is a great player, and I think he has a, a ton of potential, an all-star level potential. I think this top three in the draft are all going to be multi-time all-stars. I really like these guys. But I don't know. I feel like a lot of people might have preferred Scoot, maybe see him more as a leader, maybe see him just has, having a higher ceiling. 
What was your guys' thoughts on Miller going second over Scoot? Was that a move you guys supported, or do you think a different decision should have been made? Well, honestly, the reports up to that point were really conflicting. It seemed like every day it was flipping who was going to go to. I was surprised that Charlotte actually picked Brandon Miller over Scoot. I think it's stupid to draft for need when you're the Hornets, when you're that bad. And the player like he would be competing with is LaMelo. LaMelo, though, shares the ball really well. So I think that was just a stupid move. And I just like, I love Scoot. And I think Scoot could be the number one guy on a team. I think Brandon Miller is more of like a number two on a team. I don't think Brandon Miller is like, that's just the way I see it. Like when I watched him at Alabama during the NCAA tournament, like whatever, I don't see him being like this great guy. And even though he's a bigger guy, he doesn't even like finish at the rim that efficiently either. I just don't see why he went second. I just don't see it. I like Brandon Miller a ton. I agree, though. I think Scoot Henderson is, he, he's very much, I really think he can be an assertive change, franchise changing force. And I think Portland is very lucky to have him, especially with Dame's future a little up in the air. We can get into that in a moment. But Darren, what was your thoughts? Do you agree with Chris's take or do you think Miller was a good pick? Oh, I completely agree. And it's not a diss to Miller at all. I do like Miller a lot as a prospect and I, he might fit well there. I, they are losing people and it makes sense position wise, but I do think if you're the Hornets, you should take the better prospect. And I think the better prospect is Scoot. I do agree. Um, you know, LaMelo is there. They have DSJ. Um, Terry was there. But they don't really have, like, the guy. Like, you know, like, Wimbenyama, we were talking about the guy. They don't have the guy. They don't have that yet. And I think Scoot could have been that if they drafted him. And LaMelo, you know, is a great facilitator. And that definitely could have worked well together. So I think they kind of messed up just a little bit. But I do think Brandon Miller would be all right. I completely agree. I, I think Brandon Miller can be a like a mid-20s points-per-game scorer once he reaches oh, yeah. the peak. I think he's going to be a great two-way player. But Scoot Henderson, to me, I think him and LaMelo would have fit really well because not only is LaMelo a great passer and he's going to continue to grow into that role as a point guard, but this is a guy who's also shooting double-digit three-point attempts per game last season because, granted, it was because Charlotte wasn't good. They needed a lot of volume from him. But at the same time, LaMelo's become a really good shooter. Scoot is more of that, you know, drive to the basket, dunk in your face, use that athleticism to really to really bully people around. He's got to work more on his outside game. I think him and LaMelo together would have been a really nice pairing in the backcourt can kind of make up for each other's flaws. I think it would have worked well. And I think it's just another classic case of the Charlotte Hornets, you know, maybe just being a step behind many other teams in the NBA. Yeah, I'll say this too. Like, I'm not really trying to diss Miller, but it's more so like compared to Scoot, I just don't like Brandon Miller in that sense where it's like, what if I'm comparing them then to like Scoot more, I have to like look down more on Brandon Miller. But I think he's still good. I think he could be a good number two guy. Just I think he'll be like in the mid 20s, whatever. Just as you said, like Scoot is the guy of a team. Charlotte, though, it's actually a good thing that Charlotte didn't pick Scoot because like, they could mess him up in that situation. I've never been able to root for a Charlotte team. Scoot would have been the guy that would have made me actually maybe not hate the Hornets, but you know what? Something stay the same. So I'll just keep dissing the Hornets and uh, stop watching them because don't feel like it. Yeah. I I think it's just, it's going to be interesting how Charlotte pans out here because, and I think Chris, what you mean is you don't think you, you view Miller as a number two on like a great team. That's what you mean. Like on the national team that's trying to compete for the playoffs, yeah. Okay. Like he'll be a number two in that kind of team. Yeah, I view him as like a number two on a contender. Yeah, I yeah. think that's fair. I think that's fair. 
But I don't know. I like Charlotte's roster to a degree, especially defensively, but I still just think Scoot's the better prospect. And I think he's going to be more transcendent. And I'm excited to see what he does in Portland. And we can, that can bring us to the Portland situation. So the Blazers, it's they still have Damian Lillard, their franchise point guard of over a decade. We know he's in trade rumors, but he also doesn't really want to leave Portland. It seems like he wants to, you know, continue to be part of that community. It's that weird dynamic where on the one hand, it's like, okay, why everyone complains about teams are always players are always changing teams. They don't stick. They don't stay loyal. But at the same time, Damian Lillard is so far into his career. He's tried to stay loyal with Portland for five, six, seven years. They haven't been able to break through at this point. I'm of the belief that if Dame doesn't want to trade, I feel like Portland almost has to snake him and just trade him anyways, because Portland needs to move forward. They have a franchise point guard here in, in um, Scoot. I think that they have an, a lot of nice other pieces. So on the one hand, there was rumors, would they trade number three to get a star to play with Dame? But I think they made the right choice taking Henderson, looking to the future. So with that in mind, do you guys think Dame eventually gets traded this offseason? Or do you think him and Scoot are going to team up and Dame's going to continue to say, I need to be a Blazer for life. I want to win here. If there was a time to move on from Damian Lillard, I think now is the time, right? Because you're losing a lot of players. You just drafted, you know, Scoot Henderson, who you could then build around if you were to, you know, lose all those players. You have some cap space now. You trade Dame, you have cap space. And what you get from Dame is also going to be huge too because you're going to get some picks for sure. And you're going to get at least one, maybe even two good players. Um, maybe they could get Tobias. Hey, I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, they're losing some guys like Jeremy Grant, some bench guys, but Jeremy Grant is a big one. And I think if there were a time for Portland to move on, it would be right now. And now I, I don't know if, you know, maybe Dame wants to stay now because they drafted Scoot and because they could potentially bring in another third player and they could have a big three potentially in Portland. But I think now is the time for both sides, if we're being completely honest. Yeah, I completely agree. And Chris, what what do you think? I, I mean, I know you agree. We we talk basketball all the time, but just what do you think Portland's plan here is going to be? And do you think Dame is going to – do you think it's going to be Dame saying, all right, trade me, or do you think they're they're almost going to have to be like, sorry, we have to trade? Oh, Dame backed himself into a wall for years saying how he wants to be loyal, this and that. And then he's on an IG Live playing a song about Welcome to Miami. <laughs> And then it's like, all right, you can't do both. You can't be Mr. Loyal than be doing, you know, passive aggressive, whatever. Just, Dame, I'm, t- I'm tired of it. Because it's like, he's been so loyal. And now it's like, I'm getting annoyed. It's like a rumor every day. And Dame's like, well, I want to be the guy. Then welcome to Miami. I don't, I don't know what Dame's thinking. I think Dame wants to leave, but he can't. Because after all the years of saying he wants to be loyal. Yeah. I think both sides want out, but they're both afraid to admit it. Uh, no matter what, they can't go into the next season with Anthony Simons, Dame, and Scoot. That might be, you know, the worst defensive backcourt in the history of the NBA, if that's the case. So I don't, I think at least Anthony Simons is gone. I just don't see where you trade Dame. Miami, we talked about, is just, I don't know how the pieces would work to get that in. Talk like Darren's talking about the Sixers. Like, nah, like, I, I, there's not a lot of options. So, I think the time to trade Dame was three years ago when they realized they would never actually win a title. But every year they go back, not changing anything, keeping Dame and then losing. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what's actually going to happen. I think they should just trade him to the first team that actually gives them a solid offer. And then you just rebuild with Scoot and just actually fully commit to the rebuild like Washington did. I will say to Portland's credit, 
I think Cronin, who I their general manager, I criticized him a lot through his first few months on the job. But I think he's done a great job over the past year. It was a good foresight on his part to keep Dame after last season when Dame was injured, kind of had a down year. Maybe Dame had the best statistical year of his career this past season. So now his value is just about as high as ever. So they're going to be able, like Darian said, they're going to get a big package for him. But the problem with that is in order to get that big package, you have to find the team willing to give up that package. And that, like you said, like the Heat are a contender. But can they? Do they have the assets to do so? We know the Sixers don't have the assets to do so, uh, and you just go down the line. I mean, the Lakers can't do it. Uh, I don't think Boston would. You just keep going. Where do you guys think Dame would most fit, and what team do you think could give Portland a worthwhile package? Because, like Darren said, I don't think Jeremy Grant will be back. So Portland needs help on the wing. They need help at center because Nurkic is kind of on the the declining end of his career. So I think I love their backcourt that they could have with Henderson and Sharp. But other than that, they need a lot of help. Who do you guys, what team do you guys think can supply that help via trade? I mean, I don't, I don't want to be necessarily biased here, but if we're really thinking about it, the Sixers could make somewhat of an enticing offer, especially if they throw in Tobias, because as you said, they're going to need a four. Tobias can supply that. He could be a, a you know a two-way player for them. The Sixers have a couple picks we could throw in, not many, but we could have a couple. And we could also supply them with some younger, you know, bench guys, I think. Just some players that have potential that could come off the bench but aren't quite there yet, along with Tobias and a couple picks. I think that might be your best offer, maybe outside of Miami. But I don't know if Miami's gonna be willing to give up the bench players like the Sixers would be. Yeah. Darren, I love Love your enthusiasm. I would love to see Dame in a Sixers. I would love it too, but you didn't include Tyrese in that package. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade Maxi for Dame at this stage, but I think he'd have to be in there. I think he'd have to be in there, unfortunately. And like the thing is, well, Darren, I've asked all the Sixers fans who's come on this pod, do you want Harden back? What's your thoughts on that? A little impromptu Sixers topic here. All right, I think being completely realistic here, I think Harden coming back is our best shot to contend because I don't think we're going to be able to get someone close to his caliber right now. Like, we're not going to be able to get a Dame realistically. I said, you know, he would fit here and we might have the assets, but it's realistically, we got to think about this. It's not going to happen. So I think realistically, if we're trying to contend for a title, we just have to hope we can run it back, maybe trade Tobias for something, anything really. Um, signed a, a, a power forward of some sort. I, I do like Kuzma. He might fit here. I like Kuzma as a signing. Yes. Um, but we can get into that later. But I do, I, I do think Harden coming back would be just the best option for both sides at this point if both of them are trying to contend for the title. Yeah. I, I, well, hold that phone because we're about to talk Houston. And, you know, Harden's return to Houston has has been in the rumors. But – I agree. I think it's starting to shift towards Harden staying, even though maybe I don't want it too much. But from a Dame aspect, like I really wish the Sixers could have pulled something off from, but I think that ship sailed. And Miami, Chris, what about Miami? Because I don't think they really have a big offer, e- offer either. I know Tyler Hero is a good player. I know they have a few picks, but once again, I just don't think that's enough. So at this point, you're looking at like teams that aren't contenders right now that would have to do the trade for Dame, but Dame leaving Portland, the point would be to be in a championship situation, I think. What do you say to that? 
Yeah, well, I think for Portland, it doesn't really matter what pieces you're getting back. It's like, oh, we need a forward or center. They're going to be bad. So for yeah. them, they don't really need to try to get pieces that fit their current team. They just need young pieces and they need picks. So for them, it doesn't really matter. If they really wanted to snake game, they could just say to the Knicks, like, doesn't really fit, but you need got you guys need a star. Randall was terrible. We'll take Randall's deal, and then they give them a ton of picks. Brooklyn isn't really a contender, but they have the picks that could actually work in a trade. I don't know if Brooklyn's ready to contend yet. And throw Ben Simmons in that trade for some for some salary matching. Yeah, man. You know, if you look at the Photoshop Ben Simmons pictures, it might entice the Trailblazers, but. Just that terrible human being, I don't think should go. He belongs in the G League. But just, I don't know what team, because any contending team doesn't have the future pieces for Dame. And then any mid team is just like a Portland 2.0 that I don't really think is going to solve the problem. So I, I think it's going to be a, a Nets or a Knicks, I think is like the only teams I would be like. The Nets have the most picks, and the Knicks are probably desperate because the East, I think, is pretty wide open. Yeah. So, like, the Celtics fell apart. Miami, I don't even know how they – Miami, I don't even think – I don't know how they – I don't know if they knew how they got to the finals. So, if I'm the Sixers, like you guys were saying, sorry, Maxi, you're gone. Take Dame for the year. Try to win this year. I think it's a weird fit, but I don't think the Blazers would want Maxi with Scoot and Anthony Simons. That would just be weird anyways. And sharp. And but, sharp. And sharp. And also, but apparently, if, if you trade Tobias Harris, the Blazers might have to give up Dame and Simons and picks because apparently Tobias Harris is worth Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. That was not a real report, Chris. I know you're not a Sixers fan. Keith Pompey, don't don't listen to Keith Pompey. That was that was my favorite. That was my favorite notification I've had in the last week. But that was that was a. If they can find a way, if it's just Maxi Harris and picks, I think the Sixers are the only like fringe team that could contend with Dame. I just don't know. Like there's so much salary stuff, I don't even know how that would work. Yeah, I well, I think a Dame and Dame for Tobias and Maxi, you throw in maybe Ferk's contract. I think salary wise, that's about even. It's funny that that's not a total impossibility. It's just like I have such a hard time uh, departing with Maxi or parting with Maxi right now. I guess if Dame and Harden, if Harden's staying, maybe that's. I would a- want Dame and Harden. Yeah, I, I would want Dame Harden. That, that does sound pretty. That's pretty. Cool. That's pretty. That sounds pretty unstoppable. <laughs> oh my god! And then you factor in, we still got Embiid. That'd be well, ridiculous. Yeah. No, of course. Yeah, the defense would be bad, but the offense would be so good. And Embiid finally has a legit second scorer because Harden yeah. at times is just a passer. And in the playoffs, when Harden falls asleep or dies, you have Dame there, who's an actual like certified playoff performer. And Embiid keeps getting injured every playoffs, but if he just stay healthy, one. All you need is one good, healthy Embiid year, and he want the best team around him when it happens. So yeah. I think he would get Dame. And Tobias, I forget, plays for the team half the time. So what, what's the difference if he's gone? Yeah, he'll and, be- and Maxi can't develop as much behind Harden anyways. Well, yeah, it, I agree. It, I think Nick Nurse, it's also important to note that new coach as well, you know, different, different, you know, different look coming from the role players this year, I think for sure. I, I think it's really interesting i you guys don't know this but i did a pod the other day with jim and zach carp that's coming out later this week just talking sixers off season only and we were pretty dark about it you know trash and harden but to to the point we're making here i love that we can always get back to the sixers even when we weren't supposed to oh yeah i just think like it's funny to me that this is totally not considered right now because tobias makes so much money that a trade is possible the sixers have more they have picks down the line. They're not coming up. So 
I guess I'm, I guess to my point is, like you said, Chris, I think the Nets are like a really realistic spot. Why that's barely better than Portland, even as good as I like, as much as I like Bridges, that's barely better than Portland. Why are the Sixers like not being talked about? I guess for me, what made me turn my brain off to that possibilities was when I thought Harden was going back to Houston. But after Houston's draft, we can get to it in one sec. Now it kind of looks like Harden, like the reports saying Harden's probably going to stay in Philly. And as much as I don't really like Harden right now, if he's playing with Dame and Embiid, if we can somehow get that to happen, I mean, we saw him play as a facilitator with Kyrie and Durant. As much as we love Maxi, I think Harden would like respect the talent of Dame Moore to take that backseat, plus a new coach. This is such fiction right now because this is not going to happen. But at the same time, I don't see a better roadmap. I know Portland can get better offers, like we said, but for Dame, if they want to do right by Dame in any way, I don't think shipping them off to the Nets to win 45 games is what they might do. I, I don't know. Do you yeah, guys think they're going to be partial to Dame's wishes, or do you think they're just going to take the best offer for them? I don't think they're going to take the best offer because like, the teams that would give the best offer probably don't want to make the trade anyways. This Sixers situation is the one that makes sense for Dame, makes sense for the Sixers, and makes some sense for the Blazers. Like, I don't know why it's like not talked about. And Tobias isn't even like a big part Tobias, of the team. That Tobias expiring can get them more assets at the dead, deadline too. Yeah, so it's like, logistically speaking, this trade probably makes the most sense, but it's one of the least talked about options. Instead, we're talking about with the Blazers take Teller Hero and then, you know, yeah. like a pick from Miami, that's probably going to be the 28th pick in a few years. Yeah. As much as I hate it, I do think we'd have to give up Maxi. But all in all, it would be worth it. Yeah. And just think about this, too, for a second, is I'm okay with Harden coming back, right? Because if we look at the Celtics team, that just went to the finals in back-to-back years, their core has been together for years, right? And it took a while, but it was worth it in the end, right? So Harden and Embiid have only been together. That's our core. They've only been together for, what, two years? Yeah. And they've made it to the playoffs, and they've made it to the semis. So give them one more year, give them a third star, and I think it's possible. I think it's definitely possible. It's funny, like – I still think the Celtics don't have a good coach. I still think they have a lot of we, – we'll get in Porzingis' trade in a bit when we do the trades, but Porzingis, Rob Williams, like Brogdon, they have a lot of injury-prone guys. I'm not wishing injuries on anyone, but it's just the reality. I mean, we talk about the Clippers and their injuries all the time. It's just part of basketball. If the Celtics combust, and then Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton are free agents, and it's no lock that they're coming back to Milwaukee. and no, I feel like no one's talking about that right now. It's very possible that the Bucks are losing two of their four best players. <laughs> if the Sixers could pull this off, they would be the favorites in the East. I, I, I don't, but I guess it's like it's no one thinks it's going to happen. And, you know, it probably won't, but I don't see why it can't. So a little false dawn, a little false hope for the Sixers here on the pod, but I like this. I, I like, and Chris, I like that Chris agrees with us too, Darren, because it proves that we're not. Oh, crazy. I love that. Oh, yeah. Definitely right. feels like you're not just humoring us. You do believe this? No, I got, I actually think this would make sense. And if there is a time for me to switch and be a bandwagon of the Sixers, it would be a Dame trade because I actually like Dame. Yeah. So it's like that would be the pathway for me to root for you guys. But just real quick, as a certified bandwagon Milwaukee fan, um, Chris Middleton, I don't think has a lot of value after last season for a lot of teams. So I feel like for him, realistically, the best chance is to go back to Milwaukee. 
I think Lopez might be gone, but I think Middleton's staying because I don't know what team looks at last year. And here's the thing. If he leaves, then Milwaukee, though, like with Giannis, they're going to figure something out. Maybe this one year might be a retooling year. But with with Giannis in his prime still, they're, they're still might be the favorites because Giannis, I think – can be the best player in the league. So I'm not saying like forever they'd be written off, but for this year, I mean, honestly, even if they keep Middleton, I think he's on the other side of his career after all these years. So if they lose Brooke Lopez and don't replace him, honestly, I, unless the Bucks make a crazy move, we're not seeing coming. I don't see them as like top three or top four title contenders next year. I, I, that's my opinion. I think they still would be, in that conversation, I think any shot blocking big that can shoot can do what Brook Lopez did because their system. Think about it. you have Drew Holiday I mean, as a Lopez guard. Was really good last year. I think he was probably the best option for for what they needed. But you have Drew Holiday pushing the guards towards you. You have Giannis as the help like defender, and then everything's funneled to Brook Lopez. I'm not saying he's Rudy Gobert, but like in terms of like the system helping one player. Their system was literally fueling Brook Lopez because you have two of the greatest defenders in the league driving them towards them. So I think a lot of guys can be serviceable there. Middleton's honestly the biggest question mark. If they give him a big deal, I think that's going to be terrible because then they're handicapped by Middleton's corpse. Hopefully he can come back and play again. But like whatever he was doing at like last year, just wasn't was like, I don't think he's ever come back after that injury. He suffered against the Celtics two years or technically like a year and a half ago. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. I agree. I, I don't know. I just think that Lopez offensively is also like a weapon. I don't know. Well, one team Lopez has been linked to and where we can switch gears uh, going back to the draft here, the Rockets have the most cap space in the league. And I've seen a lot of rumors. I think everyone has that Brooke Lopez is a top target for the Rockets. They need some interior defense. Ime Adoka taken over as the head coach. Uh, with the fourth pick in the draft, they take Amen Thompson. Amen Thompson, who, you know, his profile is, you know, he's got to improve a lot as a shooter, but he's a great athlete, a great passer. And I think he's going to be at least better than Kevin Porter Jr. was as the lead facilitator on this team. And then Cam Whitmore from Villanova, who I, I voiced my skepticism of him as a prospect on our mock draft that I did. But at the same time, the dude is a, an amazing athlete. I just thought, He's still young. He's still only 19. Him falling to 20 was a blessing for the Rockets because now they have two great prospects in this draft. Two guys that I think if things go right for them, I don't see them as much of a short thing as that top three, but two guys that can become all-stars if things go right for them. And I think now that Ime is in Houston, they have a real coach who we've, we've seen how good of a coach he can be. He learned under Popovich with the Spurs, implemented that in Boston. I think the Rockets have a ton of young talent. They're moving in the right direction. And now they have $60 million in cap to spend. Now, if they bring Brooke Lopez in, Bucks lose Brooke Lopez, it's going to be hard to replace. So not only is it fun to see Houston kind of evolve here as a young team, but it could also help the Sixers, Darian, if they snag Lopez as their new starting center. And I love Shen Jun too, uh, but I see him more of his defensive liabilities might make him better suited for a bench role. I think they had a great draft. But I don't think it makes sense for them to go out and sign James Harden anymore because now they have a plethora of guards. You know, Amon Thompson, like you said, KPJ even is going to come off the bench now. So, and, and, and Jalen Green as well. We, we can't forget about him. So I think they just have too many guards where it makes sense to sign a big. Brooke Lopez, like you were saying, 
maybe even Kyle Kuzma. I keep saying that name, but I think he's a really underrated free agent this year. Yeah. And I think he could grow into a, a very big role in, with his next team, depending where he goes. But anyway, I, I, I do like their drafts. I liked the Cam Whitmore pick. You know, he was pro- projected to be, you know, top five, top 10 very early on. Um, so I, I, I liked it. And, you know, paired with Ime Udoka, this new head coach, maybe Cam Whitmore and uh, Amen Thompson can answer the Rockets' prayers. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I think I'm in, I really think him and Jalen Green, I like that. I like that fit a lot because I just think that they needed kind of that stabilizer on the offense. Chris, what, what do you, what do you think about the Amen pick? I know we were talking before, you know, you don't like these guards, these bigger guards who can't shoot, but there's just something to me about Amen. I don't think he's, you know, the next Michael Carter Williams. I think this, as we talked about on the mock draft, I think, I think he has the speed and I think he has the tools. Now he has the coaching. I think he's going to work out. Yeah. Joey talked about that in the mock draft and I was saying whatever tall guard can't shoot, I'm just going to be out on, but I actually like this kid. So like, I'm kind of going back on what I said, but there's <laughs> guards like Shea Gillis Alexander, my favorite guy on rocket, Russell Westbrook guard yeah. that can't shoot. Okay. So fine. I'll make some exceptions. I really like him, but I think it's also the fit is why I like it. You guys talked about it around him. Houston definitely has the guys that will take the shot attempts. So it's not like he's going to be forced to shoot, but I think he's just a really willing passer. I think just as athleticism too, just he's explosive. And I think that stuff works. If you can't shoot, you need that kind of ability to do things. And he doesn't give like, I think it's also part of your personality where it's like Ben Simmons, you know, yeah, he can't shoot, but I think mentally it's just unstable. So therefore that problem's only worse. But like when they showed like the picture that he had as a kid about how, what he had and his brother have to do to like make the NBA, like this kind of showed more dedication when he was like 10 than Ben Simmons did his whole career. <laughs> so for, for that, I'm just like, all right, that showed me cool. He'll figure it out. Stuff like that. I'm good with. So they get him at five and then at 20, Kim Whitmore, like, I feel like most of the lottery picks after the first few, most of them are busts. And I actually liked a lot of this draft, but like, it's not like at 13, you're guaranteed to have some rotational player. Like I would have rather take Cam Whitmore based on his ceiling. I know there's some injury stuff. Some people are saying, or it's like the interviews weren't great or something like that. It's when the guy's projected top five to 10, if he falls out of that range, I feel like you had to jump on him. And Houston, worst case, you don't hit on your 20th pick. Big deal. That's not a huge problem. But best case, you get like an actual starter eventually, maybe. Just like the fact they felt it at 20, I think it's insane. So those two picks were some of the best ones in the draft based on like where they were. Yeah. And I think Cam Whitmore, I think he's going to work out in some semblance. Like, as I said, I voiced my skepticism of his like shooting. I compared him to worst case scenario. We've got a Cam Reddish repeat here, another Cam. But that's not the reason I compare them. I think there is some similarities. But at the same time. You know, with when you have a playmaker like Amen to pair with as a rookie and you have a, a hard-nosed head coach, listen, Cam Whitmore at Villanova, he was the first star to play under a coach that wasn't Jay Wright. And listen, Villanova fans don't love Kyle Neptune right now. And there, there's no guarantee that guy's the long-term Jay Wright replacement anyways. So I don't even know if Cam Whitmore had the right uh, guidance in college either to, to really make him a clear-cut top prospect. So I think Houston has a ton of potential here on the wing. I think Jabari Smith Jr. is also still has a ton of potential. I viewed him as the number one pick last year. Obviously, Paolo proved that he deserved to be the first pick. But going into that draft, I love Jabari as well. So I'm a big fan of this Houston team. And 
man, if you put a if you bring some veterans in, Brooke Lopez to be the center, if they get some sort of point guard to maybe, you know, take some pressure off Amin to to allow him to grow into the facilitator role, but not make him play, you know, all the big minutes as a rookie. How about like my guy, Bruce Brown? Maybe Houston could bring him him in be a be a spot spot starter at point guard. Just he can kind of do all the little do all the little things. I think Ime would like him a lot. So just someone like that, uh, I think Houston is very well equipped to to continue improving. And it's funny because just not too long ago, the culture there was putrid, and now it feels like they have a very bright future. I had an issue with last year's team. I remember Joe looking up Sean attempts for Kevin Porter Jr. Or- yeah. 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 It's just like contested shot after contested shot. But by the end of the year, the team actually showed some life. And Ime Udoka is, I think, a way better. Like, we're not doing that anymore, Jalen Green. All right. No more contested whatever. It's like, I want to I want to see some team basketball, some defense. Come in there, some classic, you know, good coaching. So I think that team's actually on the rise. Yeah, I agree. So moving off the Rockets, before we shift to, you know, maybe some bigger picture stuff, some trades, we got to address the fact Penn State, our, our Penn State University had, for the first time ever, two Nittany Lions drafted in this class. Jalen Pickett goes 32nd to the Nuggets. I think this is an amazing fit for him because the thing about Pickett was everyone's concerned. Can his offensive style translate in the NBA? But now he goes to Denver and he can play off ball. He can hustle on the boards. He can make the extra pass. He's going to fit in with Denver very nicely, I think. And then Lundy going to Atlanta. I mean, Lundy's just going to be, he's a very prototypical defensive-minded forward who can make the three, but I think that's exactly what the Hawks need with Trey Young, DeJounte Murray uh, running the offense. Just a guy who doesn't need the ball. So you guys tell me if you disagree, but I think our Penn State guys here both had phenomenal landing spots for them. Oh, 100%. Don't forget about Andrew Funk signing with the Nuggets too, undrafted. Yeah, that's a big that's a big thing too, <laughs> and I really do like this Nuggets draft. I think PSU alum Calvin Booth did a very very nice job with it yeah. because they're losing so many rotational guys, and he basically just drafted guys, including Pickett, to fill the rotation. I thought it was great. You know, Strother, Pickett, and Tyson all three great picks, and they signed Andrew Funk. What more can you ask for? I think it's a very good spot for for uh, Pickett too. I do agree. He's going to be able to do some good things there and play the way he wants to, not the way he would have to adapt. If that makes sense. Pickett is, had one of the best seasons in college last year, but because he was like a fifth year senior or whatever, it's like he's, his value as a prospect is going to decrease because he's older, but the Nuggets just won the title. So Pickett was one of the most NBA ready now guys, because he is older, but he does have like a grown man type of, body compared to like most of these younger kids. Yeah. So for a team that's trying to win now, I think Pickett makes a lot of sense for them. He could shoot. And I think if you could pick, if you did a draft of like guys you'd want to play next to, Jokic might be the first guy. So that's just perfect for Pickett. He's going to get a lot of shots and opportunities. If he's in the lineup with Jokic, that's just perfect for him. And they do need more depth off their bench as well. So I think it makes a lot of sense. And Lundy, Lundy's tough because I like Lundy, but Sometimes his shooting was a little streaky, but the main issue I have is he's next to Trey Young. And Trey Young will pass to you, but at the same time, I feel like he doesn't pass to anyone at the same time. Just my, one of my least, of the list of guys I'm not a fan of, Trey Young's up there. So not a fan that Lundy's on that team, but hopefully he'll uh, become yeah. star of the team, boot Trey Young out of Atlanta, then he can just take over there. Yeah, I'm not worried about Lundy. I think he'll just, I don't think he has a super high 
potential, but I think he's going to play his role very well for a long time. And just to wrap up on Pickett before we move on, I I, I think he can play minutes for them next year. Now, maybe not during the playoffs when they're trying to win the finals, but I I think he can slot in as the backup point guard at times. I think him and Christian Brown together off the bench, I I think they can play off each other very well, and I'm excited to see how how it plays out. Yeah, he will be my favorite Denver backup guard since Bones Highland. Just such a high honor for him to have. <laughs> you, always, you always work Bones Highland in. Oh, my God. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our, dra- our draft talk. Just moving to some of the big trades that happened last week before the draft. Uh, where do you guys want to start? You want to start with Porzingis or do we want to look at the Wizards moves here? I want to look at the Wizards, to be completely honest, because they were very, very active. Yeah. So they trade Bradley Beal. They finally do it. Now, Bradley Beal had a no-trade clause, so he kind of was able to dictate where he went. It was Bradley Beal. He goes to Washington, or uh, he goes to Phoenix. Wizards get Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, and then four pick swaps with the Suns, 2024, 26, 28, and 30, and then four second-round picks. Quite the haul for the Wizards and their new GM, Michael Winger, who, Darren, you mentioned it earlier, but finally kind of doing the right things for this Washington team. And then they trade Chris Paul to Golden State, and they get back Jordan Poole, who a much younger player, more fits their re- their rebuilding mindset right now. Uh, and they also get a top 20 protected first rounder in 2030. I can't even um, – the year 2030 doesn't even feel real to me, but it's only seven years away. But anyways, uh, so what were your guys' thoughts on – just this Wizards, this new mindset for the Wizards, but then more importantly for next year, I guess Phoenix, their prospects now having Bradley Beal instead of Chris Paul. You know, I think they could have maybe gotten more for Beal, but all in all, they, they got Shamit and they flipped um, Chris Paul for, for Poole, basically. So I think it's a pretty good pretty good haul for them. Um, if you're trying to move forward, at least. I do like Poole. Um, I'm interested to see him step into a bigger role with this team um, in particular because, you know, he was kind of pushed always to the, to the, to the back when he had Steph Curry and, you know, he was just kind of not an afterthought, but a lot of times he wasn't the main guy. So now he'll be able to show if he's the main guy or not. And if he is, they move on with him. If he's not, maybe try and flip him for some picks even more and you get even more out of that. But then, you know, all in all, they received Shamit, Tyus Jones, Gallinari, Muscala, Poole, and a first, I think that's a not a bad haul for you know a team that's trying to make their way into contending. They are not anywhere close, but it's definitely a step for right. sure. Right. They had to move off Beal. I mean, I think Beal is the worst contract in the league, but at least now that he's on Phoenix, a team who's trying to win now, it's not as like egregious because you know when the Wizards are paying him fifty-seven million just to win thirty-four games, that was just a a terrible match, but. And I like that you mentioned Tyus Jones as well. Darren, that's that's a guy I would like the Sixers maybe to try. And honestly, in a honestly. As well, so we'll see how that turns out. Chris, do your Bradley Beal trade brand. I know you're not a fan of it and, you know, we might have some thoughts about it, but go ahead. Yeah, well, when it first happened, I immediately texted you and I said, I hate it and gave you a thousand reasons. Then I did a podcast about it and I wasn't as passionate about it as I wanted to be. So I'll be passionate now. Okay. It was a stupid trade. I hate Bradley Beal's contract, which unfairly so makes me dislike having Bradley Beal on your team just because you're stuck with Bradley Beal now for years. If you want to trade him, he could say no. So you're taking on a terrible contract. The stupid CBA and the whole second apron thing means if they go over the spending limit, 
then all of your picks get moved to the very end. So they're going to have the last pick in the draft. You can't sign anyone as a mid-level exception. So the guys that could take discounts can't because you can't even offer them the discounted rate. So they're handicapped because he's so expensive. And then they got a guy who's injury prone to combine with their other injury prone star, Kevin Durant. And then fit wise, they just got another guy that's not really like a great shooter who isn't really a playmaker, who's just more of a scorer who doesn't play defense well. So they just double down on, all right, guys, let's just get some just get some scoring in there. But it's not like he plays well off the guys. KD and Booker are phenomenal ISO, and I think they could play with anyone. But when they pass out to Bradley Beal, he hasn't been a good three-point shooter in a while, even though you think he is because he used to be when he was with John Wall. And as the solo star guy, he had that one year where he was – it was him or Seth were the, uh, had the scoring title. But – Besides that, he's been down like to lower 20s. So it's not even like he's this elite scorer. And then they gave up Chris Paul, who I think fits better with that team. And then they also give a ton of future pick swaps. So, and they lost control of their picks. And considering that Kevin Durant and Bradley Buell, who are both always injured, that's not the safest bet. And they're, they're, I don't know who their coach, like their coach is like a new coach. Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel, but that's a new coach for the team. So who knows how that's going to work. And they still have a center, DeAndre Ayton, who they hated after the first year that they had with him. So I don't understand it. I think there were 8,000 other options. Bradley Beal was the best star available, but I would have rather signed like three good depth people and not spend so much money for Bradley Beal. I don't think you're wrong. I just don't think it's like, I don't think it's a horrific move. I, I, I think it's, I wouldn't have done it personally. I I agree. I would have preferred because I think Phoenix's depth is a huge problem. I'm still cautiously optimistic they work a Aiton trade out in the next couple of weeks and free up some cap space to spend. My biggest thing here is like, I don't know. After after last season, I'm so in on Devin Booker. I really think he he's going to continue to get better. This trade tells me that they think Devin Booker, along with Durant a little bit, can handle an increase in playmaking duties. And he's not going to be Chris Paul. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, league leader and assists, the point God. But I think that when you have that lethal of a scoring uh, trio, and then if Devin Booker is ready to, we've seen him improve as a playmaker. If, If they think he's really ready to take on that role, then I think this will go down as not as bad as a fit as it seems right now. Plus I think they, they need to find that secondary ball handler, maybe someone off the bench in free agency or via trade. Maybe they can get it as part of an eight in package. I'm not sure. I just think that I think there's still time for the Suns to figure this out. I want to see what the team looks like opening night. For now, I agree the Beal contract is bad, but I also think, Darian, what do you think about this? Just for so long, it was, well, Bradley Beal as the number one guy in Washington. Yeah, he's good, but you're not going to win anything. Now he's the number three guy. Like that, he's finally where people wanted him to be. But now, some people still hate it. So, I guess my point is, I I've always kind of been a, I've always kind of liked Bradley Beal as a scorer, and I think this is, maybe it's not perfect fit right now, but I, I don't think it's going to be a failure necessarily. At least, not a complete failure. It's definitely a strange fit, and I think yeah. Phoenix is on this, you know, role of let's try and trade for stars and see what finally works. And maybe this one will, but you did lose Chris Paul, so you got to find another playmaker if Booker can't step up. And I think Paul would have been nice to keep, 
but I'm definitely for moving him out of Phoenix because it's just been a, a while of them not really doing anything. So just having Booker and Paul, one of them had to go, you're not going to trade Booker and you just brought in KD. So you might as well try and get another guard that can play and take pressure off Booker and KD at times when needed. And the fact that he's the third option is definitely going to be interesting because he's always been the first for so long, but he needs to find his reins as, you know, taking a step back and really see how he'll fit with this team. And if it fits well, they could make a run, but it'll be a strange fit, but I think it'll be good in the end. Yeah. I, I think it's contingent on, as I mentioned, the Suns just have to follow up and make some more moves, but I guess, Chris, your concern is they can't, I just think that they're, they're going to find a way they have to fill the roster. They're, they're going to find some guys to add. I get what you're saying, but also the Suns apparently said the other day they're they tried trading Aiton, right? And then they said they were looking for trade options. Then later that day, they said they planned to have Aiton as a starting center for opening day. So I guess they gave up after one day of looking for trades because no one wanted him. So they did. They, said, they didn't say it though. I, the report I, said the report, report said the Suns. The report said the Suns are like content. I'm, just, I'm expecting more reports down the line. That's all I'm saying. I don't know who wants Aiton though, because there's no sign of that. Like to be like, oh, we should trade like whatever a good piece for them, a good play there, player that could win now. And then I don't know what like guy in a minimum contract is gonna come in and really felt that depth. And it's really just the injuries too. Is like I don't like building around those injury prone guys, the like KD and Beal. The only player I'm actually all in on on that team is Booker, as you guys said. And he is a willing passer. Kevin Durant is a willing passer, and Beal can't pass too. But there's a difference between having those guys and having a legitimate playmaker for other people who can actually set up guys. I don't think any of those guys are going to look at Aiton and be able to get him the ball in a way that Aiton can't miss the layup this time. So it's like, like Paul would literally give Aiton like a perfect pass that he had to make this easy layup. I don't think any of those guys are in that for Aiton anytime soon. The best teams have at least one guy that really creates for others. Yeah, it's it's a it's a. It's a struggle as well because if you look at the free agents, there's not a lot of like good backup point guards. So it might have to be a trade down the line. I don't know, but it is it is weird. I mean I, I think at this point Denver kind of is running the West anyway. Like I think Phoenix is gonna have a hard time to win the finals, but I don't know. I think Chris Paul was declining. He's only gonna be more injury prone. I think this Maybe not the gamble I would have made, but I think a gamble had to happen. That's what I would say. Here's a quick thought. Yeah. We were talking about how the Rockets need a big man. That's their need now. What if Aiton to the Rockets could be a thing? Yeah. Because the Rockets could throw in KPJ if they really wanted to to, to fill that backup point role Yeah. on uh, Suns. So this could definitely be – like the Rockets have pieces that they could trade for Aiton, right. and they have cap space to do it. Yeah, and so if the Rockets are willing, that could be something that's there. I like that. And the thing is, you to add on to that, Phoenix also needs role players on the wing, whether it's KJ Martin, Jay Sean Tate. I would want to keep Eason, but no, maybe after the draft they just had, they're willing to part with even him. I think that can work. And, and to your point, we've seen as much as Aiton's been maligned lately, we also saw him be a starter on a finals team, a team that made the finals. He had a good playoff run that year so he's still young former number one pick I don't want to completely give up on him yet either so I I like that idea I so you know maybe like a Porter Jr 
a Tate and maybe like a pick of some sort for Aiden. I, I think it's possible. It's just like Chris said, if the reports are true that they're, they've decided to keep him. Well, at that point, I, I feel like that's why I'm saying I think they need to trade Aiden because as much as you need that center, you also need the cap space to fill out the team. And right now they don't have it. That's why I think an Aiden trade can still happen. Yeah, I think that's actually like a good trade, especially for the Rockets. Just the Suns do need a center on the team. I don't think Bismack is going to be a starting center for them. I don't think no. Dale is going to be that either. So they still would probably need a big back in that trade. I like Shingun a lot as well. It's just, I don't know, is he ever going to get there defensively? That's why I wouldn't be open to him being a high minute backup center as opposed to what he is right now. I know Rockets fans love him, but I don't know. That's my two cents on that. But well, I guess real fast before we start wrapping up, just the other two trades. Like, what do you guys think of Chris Paul and Golden State? Are you worried about that fit? I'm not. I think him and Curry together can be pretty seamless. I think him and Curry together might work better than him and Poole together. Yeah. Because the thing with him and Poole is that they're both shooters and they both kind of wanted the ball. And that's why I think it's going to be better for Poole to go to the Wizards where he can take the ball and he can take command. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how Chris Paul works on this Warriors team. I think it's going to be kind of fun to watch. And maybe he can finally get that ring and we can stop all the jokes of him never going to have a ring. I think for the most part, they're going to probably split the time that he's on the court with Curry. Like, I don't think they're going to be on there much together. But I think a smart players find a way to figure things out in basketball. And Chris Paul at this age is probably willing to sacrifice a lot more than ever. And he was already willing to sacrifice. We've seen him play with stars too, but... To have him come in and take the pool minutes, and instead of giving it to a guy that chucks a deep step back three with 10 seconds left in a playoff game, imagine if that was Chris Paul. He wouldn't shoot that. He would know, like, hey, give it to Curry again. So I think just the intelligence of that team, if Draymond comes back, cool. But if not, he could actually fill that Draymond spot more. I think the fit would be better without Draymond, but Draymond's you still want the team. But point being, he's a smart player. That's a really smart team that's willing to pass and figure things out. It's a weird fit. I don't think Chris Paul at this age is running up and down the court chucking threes, but smart players find a way, and Chris Paul is definitely one of the highest IQ guys in the league. So, so it will work out. I agree. I think I think it will. And I think Chris Paul at his age also, we could see him have a minutes limit in the regular season. So come playoff time, he's ready to hit the ground running so he doesn't you know, have a, a flame-out situation or uh, an injury situation late in the season. So I agree. I think Golden State – is still well positioned to be a top end playoff team next year. Hopefully they're, they find ways to win games on the road this year, but that's an issue that they got to address. But other than that, I think I like, I like what they're doing right now. And then one last trade, uh, the Kristaps Porzingis, Marcus smart trade, big deal for Boston, you know, coming off their loss to Miami, they bring in Porzingis, you know, get that offensive minded big that I think they, I think a lot of people have thought they've been missing Uh, and they give up, uh, smart to Memphis and then Boston also gets two first. And then we talked about the wizards getting some guys like Tyus Jones, uh, Mike Muscala legend of the process brought us Tyrese Maxey uh, and Danilo Gallinari. So what do you, what's your thoughts on Porzingis in Boston? We kind of touched on it earlier a bit, just, you know, him and Rob Williams together, you know, with the injury history is a bit concerning, but at the same time, I loved what Porzingis was doing last year. I think he might've had maybe the best year of his career. In terms of a health standpoint, that was his best season because I would say in the Knicks for the first half, he was an all-star and he looks probably better then than he did now, but he actually looked healthy and he looked happy playing basketball. With Luca, it always just seemed a little off. So last year, Porzingis seemed to be playing free. 
I think on the Celtics, he's going to have an actual role that won't, you know, intrude on whatever Tatum and Brown are doing. But they needed a tall guy that can play minutes. Williams, you said, is hurt. Horford, I don't know how he made it through last season as it is because he's an older guy that was ready on his last fumes. So just they needed a guy, and they got a guy who's like 7'3". So I'm pretty happy with what Boston got. For them, it's just tough because Smart emotionally is like, oh, they had to give up Smart. Just like you don't want to see him go. But in terms of basketball sense, I think it made a lot of sense for the team to do. And I think Przingis, there's a clear spot for him on the team that he could easily fit in. As a Sixers fan, I have two conflicting emotions about this trade, right? I'm I'm so glad Marcus Smart is gone because <laughs> he was so, oh my gosh, in that series, he was just like a pest almost. It's like every time they, they needed something to happen, he was there. And yeah. it was just very annoying. And he's been like that for a minute. But I do like his fit on the Grizzlies. That's such a gritty team. And he's such a gritty player. I'm actually going to be, maybe I'll root for him now because I've always said I would, I would love him if he was on the Sixers, but I hate him because he's on the Celtics, but we'll see. We'll see. Right. But I do, I am a little um, worried about Chris Stapps on the Celtics because they have two great guards now in, in Brown and Tatum. And they did need, you know, one final piece, like one big guy because they've had some okay guys these past couple seasons and Chris Stapps could really develop that team even more in the post and even more down low so that's a little scary as a Sixers fan but all in all I'm glad Smart's gone at least so that's something yeah I think it's it's one of those things where if it goes perfect for Boston it's a problem for the Sixers because you have you got Porzingis you got Rob Williams protecting the rim you got two great scores in Tatum and Tatum and Brown and then Derek White at point guard is freaking awesome as well so their best lineup could be that next year and that's going to be pretty dangerous can be hard to score on they're gonna have a good defensive team again but if the injuries kick in boston is still deep enough to to adjust but you know they're going to lose grant williams to free agency uh they already got rid of smart as we just mentioned we'll see what malcolm brown is another guy uh he, he got hurt in the playoffs we'll see how he recovers so i don't know boston can make some more moves in the offseason but it's 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 one of those things. I think I think the Sixers, Bucks, and Celtics, we kind of addressed it throughout this pod, but those are kind of viewed as the top three teams in the East, and then you have to throw Miami in as well coming off their finals trip. But realistically, those three teams are seen as the, the big contenders going forward, and I think they're all kind of at a crossroads right now. And this next season is going to decide the long-term future of all three. So if Porzingis comes in and is an awesome third guy and Boston makes the finals or wins the finals or has an awesome season – then yeah, he's going to be there for a while. But if it crashes and burns, we could be, this Porzingis trade could be the catalyst for the end of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown together. So it'll be interesting. It's it's a big season for Boston coming up. I think they should have fired their coach, but hey, as a Sixers fan, I'll take Joe Maz coming back for another year. I was going to say the same thing. Honestly, I just feel like Joe Mazzulla was just, it's wrong to like fire him. I feel like if they could just demote him, that feels like <laughs> the right move. Like you, I don't know if you can. Yeah. Like you probably should just be an assistant. But if you look at like rookie coaches, it's kind of unfair to assume that they're going to come in and like get to the finals in their first year. He's a rookie coach that was given a really tough spot with like no other like assistant coaches. So I, I feel bad. I feel like a demotion would have been fair, but I just feel bad firing a guy who was like, if someone made me like a president of a company. It's like, hey, I shouldn't have been hired for the job. But you know what? I was, but it's not my fault. I'm not going to say no 
yeah. but never going to fire me. I'd rather just go back to my normal job. Okay, well, okay. that's fair. All right, fine. Boston should have moved Joe Mazzola to their assistant staff and then hired a different coach. I'll that's like. honestly worse than firing him. Yeah, you, you get know, demoted like, now. That's crazy. Years. But I get it, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm hoping that the chaos in the East leads – like helps the Sixers more than hurts them, but it's going to be, it's going to be very interesting to see how that trade plays out. One last thought on that. And then we can wrap up just from Memphis's aspect, Darren, you mentioned, I think smart's going to fit right in with that team. Do you guys think that two first rounders from was too much or do you think it's all right? I mean, he did win defensive player of the year only a year ago. And you know, with jaw, with jaw suspension and they traded Tyus, they need a point guard. So I think uh, Marcus smart will be, I think he'll fill the void perfectly. I mean, I think that price is kind of steep for Marcus Smart, but at the same time, it, that that's kind of what the Grizzlies need in a way. They needed a, a a gritty guard in there alongside Ja, so I think it's it's worth it for them. And to be honest, Marcus Smart's probably better than the two guys they would have gotten with this first anyway, depending where they were. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it seems kind of steep, but in reality, I think it's it's pretty fair. For me, I'm just like, if you were willing just to trade two firsts and just let Dylan Brooks go, but just trade two firsts for Marcus Smart, you could have traded like Dylan Brooks and like three firsts for like OG Anunoby or someone at the trade deadline. If I was really making a trade to try to get like a piece, I would have tried to trade for OG Anunoby, who's always floated around or like another guard, like Jeremy Grant, even like yeah. some bigger forward that can actually play defense or wing, but Whatever. I think it's a good move for them. I'm just thinking they could have been other things like months ago that would have made more sense because now their start of their season is going to be a little off the rails with Jog getting suspended. So it's like now you now you make the trade. I think I agree with that take. And just before we wrap up, Chris, uh, do you want to share the text that you sent me during the pod a few minutes ago? Oh, yeah. So the Blazers GM said they are fully committed to building a contender around Damian Lillard. Well, that changes everything, Joe. Now <laughs> they can get the pieces they need to finally win a title because the last 10 years, they weren't fully committed to building a title team around Dame. Yeah. But now that they are committed, they'll just, you know, change things and just now they'll be able to create a contender. Sure. But I don't know. I don't I don't think you trade Scoot. Like, I, it's just, I don't know if that means you're trading Scoot. I wouldn't want to trade Scoot. So. Yeah. I don't know what that means. I don't think you can be fully committed to contending if you still have Scoot on the roster, but I don't know what star you would trade for Scoot. Like so many questions and Dame's never won a title. He's never, he's went to the conference finals once and he got destroyed in it. So yeah. it's not like he'll take you to the promised land. You could be a contender again. I think they could contend for a play in spot. Sure. But I don't know why they're acting like they're a move away from contending. This isn't, you know, like the Lakers deciding to like trade just one guy for another piece. It's a team that literally was so bad. They got the third pick in the draft. Yeah. And then they're uh, just whatever. Uh, do you ship Nurkic just to like overseas and you get an actual center that can play defense? Like well, that's their first issue. Someone they need to trade. But yeah, I, if we want to take that slightly seriously, I think they should be, I think they should have picked Scoot, but I guess they should have traded three for, for something. I mean, maybe you take the gamble with, with a Zion, but I guess that trade didn't come together. That's the only move I can even think that could move the needle. And that's assuming like a Zion situation goes well, which like is like he actually plays. Yeah, like that's no guarantee. I don't know. Portland, Portland's kind of off the rails. 
Are you picking them to come out of the West or no? <laughs> no, not this year. No, not this moment. Yeah, hey, Gobert might be available. Uh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> he, maybe he, he'll go. He, maybe he'll go for twenty. Rounders. Rounders. Ten first rounders for Gobert. <laughs> That's the price. <laughs> Darren, you have any parting shots at Portland before we wrap up? Honestly, they should just trade Dane to the Sixers. Facts, facts. All right, we'll call it there. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Absolutely. Well, as we laid out, maybe that's not as crazy as it sounds. All right, boys, thank you for joining me today. It was a lot of fun talking uh, about this NBA offseason with you. And thank you all for listening to this episode of Trust the Podcast. Make sure to follow on Spotify and Apple if you aren't already. And other than that, have a great rest of your day. Go Sixers. I look forward to the Damian Lillard era in Philadelphia, even though it's definitely not going to happen.